FM 98.5. Be sure to set it under Automobile 101 so you can punch it and listen to WPTF and keep up with the news, weather, and traffic and, and the other shows on WPTF. And each night from 9 to 10, Monday through Friday, listen to the Tom Kearney Show. We're here with uh, shows that we hope are entertaining and um, uh, educational that you can learn something from. And uh, over the years, one of my favorite guests, uh, uh, and a guy who's helped me out an awful lot uh, because he uh, was our TV trivia person for many, many years, like 20 years. And when our movie trivia person uh, left us, uh, when he passed away, uh, my brother Stephen checked in and, and took up that job. And he's uh, helped me out a lot. And we uh, have uh, spent hours uh, in our lifetime in cars or at home or wherever doing trivia shows, so it was a natural thing to transfer it to radio and hope that it was entertaining and worthwhile to other people listening. Stephen, are you there? I'm here, Tom. Uh, well, good, uh, and I've invited Stephen tonight. Oh, about a month ago, maybe uh, maybe a little longer, we did what was going to be part one of a two-part program because it couldn't be all wedged into two parts. Uh, and uh, Stephen, uh, like I am, is fond of, uh, beyond fond, I don't know what the right word is, but we're both baseball fans. He, sadly, is a St. Louis Cardinal fan, and I'm a Pittsburgh Pirate fan, and uh, I guess it's sadly because he, the Pirates, the Cardinals always do better than the Pirates, but usually when a guest comes on, we check out and see what their allegiances are with regard to baseball. And one of the nice things about baseball, and one of the reasons that I have remained a baseball fan when I haven't had as much interest in the, over the years. I, my interest has not disappeared in other sports, but I, the one that I go out of the way to to watch, to keep up with the stats of, et cetera, is, is baseball. In fact, when I was a kid, I told someone, and it's still true, what I wanted to be, if I could be anything, was a baseball player. And secondly, I wanted to be a radio announcer. I got to do that one, and, and to be a school teacher, and I got to, a professor, I got to do that one. So... But I didn't get to be a baseball player because I not only couldn't hit the curve, I had a little trouble with the fastball. But I still like to watch it, like to keep up with it, and so on. And so does Stephen. So one of the things that can identify you with baseball is there really are some good baseball movies. I don't know in, in other sports if there are, but I know there aren't as many. Because baseball is kind of a thinking man's game uh, as opposed to uh, smash them up, bang, whatever kind of sports and so on. But in any event, we're going to talk about baseball movies tonight, and Stephen is the expert, and I have talked long enough, and so I'm going to introduce him to the floor and uh, find out which movies, because he, he, he's the brains of this outfit right now for the next hour that we're going to talk about. He he usually agrees since I'm the host of the show to let me kibitz a little bit, but, but that's enough, that's enough. And it will make you want to... Uh, to, uh, well, make me want to when the program is over tonight to walk into my living room and turn on the TV and watch uh, an hour or so of whatever's on the MLB network, whichever baseball game's on. Stephen, are you ready to talk about baseball movies? Yeah, sure, Tom. Uh, I'm, I'm just going to add to this that we are going to be a tad more uh, conversant tonight because we said we would be. And uh, I'm, I'm not here to tell our listening audience and you whether these films are going to win the Academy Award, and I don't have a certain amount of time to get a certain amount of information in, but we're going to talk about about seven movies, Tom, which are very important uh, in terms of 
movies in general and baseball in particular, especially if you're a baseball fan. And do you, as you noted, you and I are big baseball fans. I have been uh, almost, well, I, I really got into it in 1968. Um, I guess I was nine. So I've put together about 53 years' worth, and yours is somewhat longer. But uh, we're going to talk about baseball movies. And, and all of these movies, Tom, happened after 1970. Well, now, I have to stop and, you for a minute because you missed something important out. Uh, right. When when you were a mere one year, well, you were less than a year old. You were six months old. You know what I'm going to say. Uh, you were sitting in your stroller in our living room. when I This was when I was in high school because I'm 15 years older than you. And the World Series came on, and it was the White Sox and the Dodgers. And I rolled the stroller up right in front of the TV, probably too close, actually. But so you could say you had seen every World Series during your lifetime. And I'm pretty sure you've seen at least part of every one since then. And so that's well, my story. Certainly since 1968, uh, they, and I mentioned that year, and it's okay to talk about this because we don't have any particular format that we need to stick to, Tom. We'll get to the movies. Uh, in 1968, the participants in the World Series were the Detroit Tigers and the St. Louis Cardinals. The Cardinals had won the year before. I can't really say that I know that much about that. That's, that's stretching it a little bit. But I really did know about Bob Gibson and Mickey Lillich and Danny McClain. And uh, these are the participants of the 1968 World Series, won by the Detroit Tigers, four games to three, I believe. And I, I've never really been a big fan of any other baseball team, except maybe the Yankees, because I think that's the family team, if you know what I mean, Tom. Yes, my our grandfather left that to us. Uh, and then we got to pick one of our own, and you picked the Cardinals, and I picked, picked the Pirates. But the Yankees... You know, Granddaddy thought it was the father, the son, and Gil Gubera. Uh, it's the way. And, the way and I'm not sure we could argue with him too much. No, 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 not at all. Well, Tom, let's talk about the first movie on this list. Uh, the one first one I want to talk about is the movie, uh, 1976 movie, The Bad News Bears. And um, Tom, I found as I was looking back over these movies and as I thought about watching them that uh, almost every one of these movies has um, hidden meaning or, or uh, has import in terms of a message that, uh, that the movie is trying to get across to us, and they're doing so through the medium of baseball. And it would be interesting to hear what your thoughts are on that. And the 1976 Bad News Bears is uh, a great movie, Tom. It's, it's impeccably cast. Uh, I'm a big Walter Matthau fan, and uh, if he's in it, it's worth watching, Tom. And uh, this is one of his best roles. Tatum O'Neill, who was fresh off of an Oscar win for uh, Paper Moon, uh, is in this movie as well. She plays an 11-year-old pitcher, Amanda Wurlitzer. Um, this is also a, a movie that has uh, Big Morrow. It's one of the last movies he made. He made several more movies, but sadly he passed away as a result of an accident in a movie uh, several years later. The big Marlowe, Tom, was uh, in the TV show Combat and uh, several other movies, Tom. But Bad News Bears is about a bunch of losers that were put together on one team. And what has happened in this small town, Tom, and you can join in where you wish, is that um, there had been a complaint made that the uh, in the Youth League Baseball, what we would call Little League, Tom, um, that the losers were never getting a chance to play. And so uh, what happened as a result of a court order 
this is all logical and reasonable, Tom. They created a team where all the losers were placed on one team, and they put the alcoholic Morris Buttermaker, played by Walter Matthau, in charge of the team. Follow me along so far, Tom? Right, and, and another figure like Buttermaker, played by Tom Hanks, will show up in another another baseball movie a little bit later. It's a, kind yeah, of a, in 1992. Well, Morris Buttermaker is an old ball player, Tom. He's an old pitcher. He's, a, he's become an alcoholic, and uh, he's just sort of resigned to driving around his old uh, Cadillac convertible and drinking beer. And he doesn't really care about this, but uh, he, he does it because it basically is he's got an agreement uh, with these people who have set up this structure. And um, he gets in the first game, Tom, the his the, the the Bears get behind 26 to nothing without recording an out. And he lets the game be called, and he decides as a result of this, and this is Walter Matthau's character, Morris Buttermaker, Tom, he, he decides that he's going to bring Amanda Walter through the 11-year-old Tatum O'Neill in to be his pitcher. And she's really good because Morris Buttermaker has trained her from the young ages to be a good pitcher. And... Uh, she starts striking out the other team, Tom, and they're having trouble scoring runs. And they also bring in this juvenile delinquent named Kerry Leak, who turns out to be a really good athlete, even though he rides around uh, at a young age on a motorcycle or on the street. He's not 16 yet. And he smokes, and he's just generally considered to be a juvenile delinquent, except he's a really good athlete. And the Bears start winning, Tom. And uh, they, they do so up till the championship game, and Morris gets all caught up in the winning, and he wants to win. He starts playing uh, the, the better players and pitching Amanda at every opportunity. And what he doesn't realize is that Amanda's a young girl, and uh, her arm gives out, Tom. It, it, it gets so that it hurts her to be able to throw any at all. Do we need a spoiler alert here or not, uh, well, it depends. Uh, no, I, no, we, won't, we won't take one. No, that's good. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I urge everybody to watch these movies. I mean, this is a yeah. 1976 film. If you haven't seen it, you should have, and you should go out and see it after we get off the air. Well, I saw part of it on Sun, the Sundance Channel. I, I have two Sundance channels, and the movies on there, there are not many of them, they, but they're good movies, and they're free. And the Bad News Bears, this, and they're, they're repeated often, so one could probably see it, and and you you made it the good point that that is delivered by I think this movie and that is it's baseball is a very democratic sport uh, and it it can involve the, the alcoholic managers uh, young ladies on a, basically a, a boys team and the boys team which is a bunch of losers and they end up uh, being winners in, in a way how does that sound well at the end Tom uh, the the leader of the other team which by the way are the Yankees Tom. Uh, that uh, Dick Marler plays the manager, if you will, of that team, and, and all he wants to do is win, and and he does so to the degree that he ends up slapping his son, who's the pitcher, because the son has done something he shouldn't have done. The son refuses to pitch, and uh, ends up walking off the field in the middle of the game. And this is a it strikes a point home to Morris Butterfield that it's not about winning. And so Tom, maybe the the message here in this movie is maybe there's too much emphasis on winning and not enough on enjoying the game. Just playing the game, yes. You know, 
when I was young, in college, I had thought about uh, working with uh, things like the Boys Clubs of America and so on, which in Goldsboro ran the Little League teams. Uh, actually, it wasn't called that, but one of the things that turned me off was the number of parents who wanted to win at all costs, and that's a constant theme, you know, in American sports is is the the, the, the father who jumps out of the stands and slugs the referee and then somebody shoots somebody else and well, you, you get the drift of this, but I, I think... Well, Tom, I'm not going to choose a side in this, but there's a flip side of this that has a problem, too, and that is, I mean, are you going to give everybody ribbons for participating, and, and what's that about? And I'm not going to take a side and argue it here, but it is the flip side to what we just mentioned. Right, and that's why we have, they have, we have both of us here, because I do one side, and you, you're the good or bad cop, and I'm the other one, and so on. But let's stop right now. Let's take a break. This is how it goes what we're going to do tonight. We hope you, it will be enjoyable as you are driving home from work or uh, uh, working in the kitchen or in the workshop or driving down the highway going somewhere at long distance. As you listen to the Tom Kearney Show on WPTF, where tonight Stephen Kearney and I are discussing baseball movies, and you need to stay tuned now to find out what the next movie is going to be. 2021, the baseball season, the Major League Baseball season, and the, the parallel minor league baseball seasons are probably about one-third of the way through now, uh, maybe a little bit short of that, uh, but in any event, uh, we're talking about baseball movies tonight, and uh, people are going to see movies again, apparently, and uh, they're available uh, in lots of forms, streaming and on television and on DVDs and whatever, and uh, maybe you'll get an idea about a baseball movie that you'd like to watch from what we're talking about tonight and our baseball movie guys, our brother Steven. Stephen, we've got one down, six to go. What movie is coming up next? The 1984 film The Natural, Tom, starring Robert Redford. Um, Tom, when we've talked about baseball in the past, I've often said to you that there was sort of a romantic side to baseball. That's with a little R, not uh, hearts and flowers romance, but sort of romance in terms of a a time in which you think about it uh, in a favorable and wistful sense. And I, I guess what I'm talking about, Tom, is, you have said it's uh, before they went to the West Coast. They were talking about uh, a West Coast, a Western swing with the St. Louis or something like that. Well, the natural sort of personifies the romantic era of baseball for me. It's post or, or right at the end of the Depression, just before World War II. Uh, it starts out in the early 1910s, Tom, but it moves on so that we get uh, first a young Roy Hobbs and then later on an older Roy Hobbs. That's point. The young Roy Hobbs believes that he's going to be the best that ever has been, and that gets him trouble. Gets him in trouble with a lady named Harriet Bird, which is based on a real incident. And uh, he's shot, Tom. He ends up uh, not getting back to baseball until 16 years later, when he comes on as a uh, hitter in his 30s, personified by the actor Robert Redford. And at first, his manager plays a Wilford Brimley won't play, because he just, he's just outraged that somebody was signed a player that old, uh, but it turns out that Roy Hobbs can really hit, Tom, because he's, well, he's the natural. He's really the natural in terms of baseball, but what you get to see is baseball at a time before he went to the West Coast, at a time before airplanes really were the dominant form of travel. Uh, you get to see old-style baseball stadiums, uh, men and women dressed in a certain fashion that is romantic in its nature. Uh, it's just, it's a great movie. It, it has a, 
has a song by Randy, I can't think of Randy's last name. Who's soundtrack? Newman. Uh, Randy Newman. Randy Newman does the soundtrack. Tommy does a great job at it. And it, it is based on a, uh, I believe it's a 1952 novel by uh, the Bernard Malibu, Tom? Yeah, let me say one thing about that, if I may. It's, a, it's sure. different from the book. The book and it don't follow real closely together, but it is. But, that's what it's based but, on. You're exactly right about that. They, they don't, and and uh, uh, without giving away what the book's all about, uh, the book is darker than the movie, and the movie, almost because of what it is, uh, almost has to end up on a uh, in a good way, and it's just it's well cast. Uh, you can you can stretch your imagination a little bit and get Roy Hobbs to be played by Robert Redford, but you and I have both uh, said that we think Glenn Close does a great job in this movie. Uh, Darren McGavin is uncredited, Tom, and he's plays a, ga- a big time gambler, and he's just perfectly cast. Wilfred Brimley is the manager. Um, Kim Basinger plays his niece, and she's sort of the femme fatale of the era. And what we get to see is even a character played, uh, I think it's Joe Don Baker who played the Whammer. Well, you knew the Whammer was supposed to be Tom. Isn't Barbara Hershey in that movie, too? She plays Harry Bird, and the, the whammer is supposed to be Babe Ruth. And Harry Bird is the lady that shoots Roy Hobbs. And she plays well, yeah, Bird. and let me, let me back you up on one thing, and, and I want to make sure we get this in before we come to the news here. We've got about a minute and a half. Uh, that, uh, that, that It was based loosely on a real incident. A guy named Eddie Wakus, who played for the Philadelphia Phillies, a woman in Chicago uh, fell in love with him and stalked him. Uh, you know, in those days, the the equivalent of rock stars today were baseball players, and uh, she ended up uh, shooting him. And he eventually came back to play in in the league. And I will say that what you said that Glenn Close did a good job, and she did a good job. If you saw her in the Hillbilly movie, you know the name, the one I'm talking about. Uh, yeah, Hillbilly Elegy. Elegy. You need to go to see this movie because the job she does is just standing there, and she's just about as fetching as you can could ever expect a person to be. And uh, so she's uh, angelic. And, uh, yeah, yeah, she has. To, she's standing in one place, and the sunlight is shining on her hat, and and it looks like a halo. But it's really a good movie, and it has. Um, again, uh, spoiler alert: it, it, we we will not go past here if, if it's all right with you, Stephen. It has the kind of ending you'd expect it to have. And so on. But, Stephen, we need to stop now because the news is coming up. So I'm going to let you reload for five movies in the second half of the program tonight. We're talking about baseball movies with Stephen Kearney. I'm Tom Kearney. We're on the Tom Kearney Show on this Tuesday night. We're here every night, Monday through Friday from 9 until 10. And we'll be back after we check what's going on in the world of news. Make your baseball season a little better by watching movies about it as well as watching games. And the person who is doing the music, I mean, the movie, the movie review for us of baseball movies is my brother, Stephen Kearney. Stephen, we have, according to your reckoning, five to go. Who's next? Uh, a movie shot in the triangle, Tom, a Bull Durham. Ah. Yeah, this John, kind of follows the, the exhibits or the uh, efforts of the Durham Bulls baseball team. And it's based on the minor league experiences, Tom, of Ron Shelton who actually was a minor league golf player. Uh, Kevin Costner uh, plays Crash Davis, who's a veteran. He's brought down to the top minor league club or to the minor league club of one of the major league clubs, and I believe even then it was the Atlanta Braves, Tom. He is there to mentor 
one Eddie Calvin Luke Verlouche, played by Tim Robbins. He's a star pitcher. They're trying to prepare him for the major league. Uh, Susan Sarandon plays a baseball groupie, Tom, Annie Savoy. Uh, she romances both Luke, Tim Robbins, but she's also attracted to Crash, which is Kevin Costner. Uh, Tom, this movie was had a budget of $7.5 million. It ended up making $58 million, and it shows the old Durham ballpark on purpose, Tom, in, in, great, uh, in great view. And it also shows um, a prominent at that time, at least, Raleigh uh, Ninth Spot. Um, Tom? Oh, you're talking about Mitchell's Tavern, I think, and uh, I believe that's what you're talking about. And it was, a lot of it was filmed in the Triangle for people who are new to the Triangle. And, and I think, Stephen, that most, most real baseball people think, think a lot of this movie. They think it comes closer to sort of the, some of the substance and the essence of whatever there is about baseball, and I won't go anywhere any further than that. Uh, Tom, it was a minor hit when it was released, but is now considered fairly universally as one of the best sports movies of all time. It, uh, it's been quoted as being a film about relationship, and I think it's the best example of the church of baseball, Tom. I mean, right. you just sort of learn what it's all about by watching this movie. Well, you got to make sure that the next movie you talk about is the other movie that is the Church of Baseball. Well, we're going to, that's what we're going to do, yeah. In 1989, uh, there was some reluctance for, on the part of Kevin Costner and on the part of the producers to offer it to Kevin Costner when he had just had a baseball movie the year before, but he read uh, the screenplay for Field of Dreams, Tom, 1989 movie. based on uh, W.P. Kinsella's 1982 novel, Shoeless Joe. There is a reason, Tom, and you need to see the movie and do a little background reading to understand why. In this movie, Tom, and I'll try to make this short, uh, there's a lot to it, that Ray Kinsella is out in Iowa trying to grow corn, and uh, he's a little unhappy with his life, Tom, doesn't think he's ever accomplished anything, and he's upset that he had a broken relationship with his father that he never mended before his father died. And while he's walking through his... Um, his uh, cornfield, Tom, he is a voice that says, famously, if you build it, he will come. And uh, what he understands he must build at that time, Tom, is a baseball diamond. And he also has an image of one player standing in the middle of it. And that one player is Shoeless Joe Jackson. And uh, there's there's parts of the movie, and there's a lot to it, Tom. Uh, He has an opportunity to... uh, to hear the voice say several other things to him that lead him to an, uh, a reclusive author named Terrence Mann who wrote the book that caused him to have opinions that made him clash with his father. And they get together to go see a ball game in Fenway Park time in which they see on the scoreboard the statistics for one Archie Moonlight Graham. The decide that they have to go to Minnesota to find Moonlight Graham. And on the way, they uh, they pick up a, uh, a person who's, uh, oh, actually, I think they're on the way back from Minnesota. That's why they pick up a person on the side of the road who's looking to try to find a, a baseball game, Tom, because that's the way it used to be. You could find a baseball game storming across America, Tom. And that young baseball player that they pick up hitchhiking is a young Moonlight Graham. Well, it turns out that they've met the old Moonlight Graham in their visit to his hometown of Minnesota, in Minnesota, and 
He had one. He actually never had it at that time. He played, but he never had a. I don't think he ever actually had it at that. You're gonna have to help me with that. I think he uh, played in one inning, but there's something uh, you may be planning to mention it, but I'm going to cheat on you here. He actually was, Moonlight Graham was actually from North Carolina, and he was the brother of a man named Frank Porter Graham, who was uh, one of the great North Carolina educators and one-time president of the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill. And, uh, Wasn't he a U.S. senator, too? He ran for the U.S. Senate, uh, uh, but he, he lost uh, in a very famous... Uh, campaign that was marked by virulent uh, attacks on him because he uh, it was supposed to, well, he, it, ha- it's, it has to do with race issues and something we do, don't want to get into deeply tonight, but he was, uh, had been, was photographed actually eating lunch with a black person, and that, that apparently was supposed to mean something. You can see it, it's, uh, it was, this was around 1950 in North Carolina, it's a little bit of North Carolina history, but. But Frank Porter Graham was as close to being a, a champion as, uh, well, the only person that ranks with him is William Friday. So we'll just leave it at that. How about that? Well, uh, Moonlight Graham goes on and plays a little bit, a very tiny bit, which is part of the story. I encourage you to see the movie. And But he has to, he steps away from baseball, Tom. And one of the things that you, you get by watching all these baseball movies is that everybody really would like an opportunity, as you said earlier, your dream was to play baseball. Everybody wants to play baseball. Well, Archie Graham got a chance to do that, but his greatest contribution to society is when he left baseball and became a doctor in a small town in, in Minnesota. Uh, exactly. And he, he, uh, go ahead, Tom. I'm sorry. I was going to say, the guy that's Terrence Mann in this movie, in the book he was J.D. Salinger, and that, that just shows you the kind right. of thing. Right, Salinger did not like that, though. He's uh, probably America's most famous reclusive writer, and uh, he uh, indicated that if you don't remove my name uh, from this, there will be uh, litigation. And so they changed it to Terrence Mann, and it's populated by James Earl Jones, and, and what a wonderful job he does with it, Tom. Oh, oh yeah, uh, Ray, Kin- Ray Kinsella. Uh, I'm trying to think of the guy who plays uh, Shoeless Joe. Uh, well, uh, Ray Liotta. Ray Liotta, and, and there was a lot of because... Ray Liotta is left-handed, and Chulis Joe was right-handed. But in any event, uh, there is a mystery, as you know, Stephen. And uh, there is a mystery. Pardon me. There is a mystery. I agree, Tom. You go. You go ahead and do the mystery. Tell, don't don't tell well, me the I, answer. I, tell I, us what I'm the mystery not is. I'm going to give away the mystery. But I'll tell you what the mystery is. You can watch the movie to find out the how it plays out. The mystery is who is he? The, the he who will come. And he does. Ultimately. He does come. Yes, he does. And this movie is about, Tom, uh, again, just sort of mysticism, religiousness of baseball. There is a line in there, and I can't quote it, but it, uh, you know, James Earl Jones is talking about why there's going to be money made from making your cornfield into a baseball diamond because people will come to see baseball as a way of, of remembering what it used to be and what it will be again. You know, from their youth, they, they had great promise and great dreams, and if they come to this field, they will remember what that was all about and the possibility of, of it being that way again. We come to the end and find out that we're at the beginning. Okay, well, let's, we're talking about baseball tonight. We're about a third of the way through the Major League Baseball season. It's 
it's back to semi-normal, and uh, I hope to maybe watch a couple of innings tonight, and maybe Stephen will do that. And we're suggesting on the Tom Curry Show tonight some movies that uh, might uh, uh, enlighten the experience for you. And the one that Stephen, my brother, has just been talking about is a movie called Field of Dreams, and before that he talked about Bull Dumb, both of which has, have uh, connections to North Carolina. Stephen, we can do one more before we need to take a break. Well, I'm going to do it fairly quickly, and there's a tie-in to the Field of Dreams. A okay. key character in Field of Dreams is the ghostly apparition that's playing baseball that is Shoeless Joe Jackson. Well, the next uh, movie, Tom, is a, uh, a a movie called Eight Men Out, made basically at the same time as Field of Dreams. Eight Men <laughs> Out is a, is a drama, Tom, and it's based on Elliot Asinov's 1963 book, Eight Men Out, the Black Sox in the 1989 World Series. This film was written and directed by John Sayles. It's a dramatization of Major League Baseball's probably its greatest scandal, Tom, the Black Sox scandal concerning the 1919 World Series between the Chicago White Sox and the Cincinnati Reds. Uh, gambling had gotten involved with that, and the Chicago White Sox conspired with gamblers to throw the World Series against the Reds. The Reds ultimately won five games to three. A trial happened, Tom, with these eight men, and they were all acquitted. But a newly appointed commissioner, Kennesaw Mountain Landis, Tom, uh, said to these eight men, you are banned from baseball forever. And one of those eight men was Shoeless Joe Jackson, who may or may not have known what was going on, Tom. Yeah, he was a, he was... Uh, probably the greatest right-hand hitter in the history of baseball, but he was a simple man. He was a, from South Carolina, as a matter of fact, he was a textile worker, and he, he I, I don't think, quite knew what was going on. But in any event, that, that continues to be a great discussion among baseball fans. Eight men out and the 1919 Chicago team will always be known, not as the White Sox, but as the Black Sox. And, Stephen, can I take a break now, and you'll have, what, time for sure. Yeah, we'll come back and do three more before we end up. Okay. Stephen Kearney is our guest. I'm Tom Kearney. We'll be back to close out our show with three more baseball movies right after this. We did a promo this morning. Dr. Joe Cadell will be our guest. Sunday will be the anniversary of D-Day, and we're inviting you to uh, get some background on it and talk a little bit about it. We'll talk a little bit about it with Dr. Joe Cadell, our military historian, Tomorrow night here on WPTF, and our computer guys, uh, Tim and Steve from ByteWise, will be here on Thursday night, and we're going to talk about computer news, and I'm going to get a chance to ask him about this this hacking that's going on in England and uh, overseas now. So we hope you'll join us then. Friday night will be trivia. Tonight it's Stephen Kearney talking about baseball movies. He loves movies. Stephen, I heard some news about opening of theaters of AMC today, so maybe it's time for us in the, in the weeks ahead to revisit that topic. But tonight it's baseball, and you've got two more movies to talk about. Yeah, I, I misspoke, Tom. I think I said three. Well, I know I said three. Actually, there are two, so my, my ability to count uh, remains uh, somewhat impaired. Um, Tom, the next movie <laughs> is, is a very fun movie, Tom. Just that's all there is to it. It's, uh, it's Major League, and uh, we've talked about... Uh, these are lighthearted movies and serious movies. I mean, Amen Out is a serious drama. Field of Dreams is almost mystical. Bird Dog is basically a comedy, Tom. Uh, Major
Major League is, is a movie that is a comedy and um, came out in uh, 1989 as well. Good year for baseball movies, Tom. And it's about uh, the Cleveland Indians team, a fictional Cleveland Indians team in 1989, that has been inherited by a former Vegas showgirl from the owner who's passed away. And what she wants to move the team from Cleveland to Miami. She doesn't like Cleveland. And so to do that, there's a clause apparently between the Indians and the city of Cleveland that they can be moved if attendance falls be below, I think, 800,000 people. And to do that, she uh, hires a, uh, a manager from the Toledo Mudhens, nothing wrong with that, and a former manager of the manager as a general manager. But she tells them that they've got to get rid of all their good players and hire a bunch of, uh, of scrubs. And uh, that's what happens. They uh, hire um, uh, a, a person that is sort of a voodoo witch doctor, doctor type player, played by Dennis Haysburg, who does the Allstate commercials, Tom. Uh, they hire um, uh, Charlie Sheen, who is a juvenile delinquent who just got out of the California Penal Authority. Uh, they hire Willie Mays Hayes, played by Wesley Snipes. He can run fast, but he can't hit the ball more than five feet. Um, so what happens is she's got all these. She's made the general manager play all these players, and thinking that, uh, that they're going to have a bad, uh, bad season. And, it, and she takes away instead of flying them places, she makes them go there on a bus. She takes away their hot water, and their reaction is to go on a winning streak, Tom, and eventually place themselves in a position to win the pennant. And how they do that and why they do that is the stuff of this movie. Well, Tom, along the way, we got a star made out of uh, a person in this movie, a former uh, catcher, Tom, for I think the Milwaukee, uh, either the Milwaukee Braves or the Seattle Pilots or uh, the Brewers, where I think he he may have been. He certainly was the voice of the Brewers, and correct me if I'm wrong, but Bob Euchre of uh, beer commercial fame. Uh, really gets his stardom here as uh, one of the announcers who announces this ragtag bunch of players who go on to tie the New York Yankees for the pennant and have to have, to have a playoff game. And I'm not going give to give away what happens. You can imagine what happens. Uh, but it's a great movie, a great comedy. And as a side note, Tom, this is, movie was made in 1989 and about a struggling Cleveland Indians team Six years later, they would go to the World Series in real life. Yeah, and, and I'll just say that Bobby Uger is a one truly funny person. He's recently been admitted to the to the media part of the Baseball Hall of Fame, and he was one of uh, Johnny Carson's favorite uh, uh, interviewees, you know, person to visit him on there. We've got just about, Stephen, just about enough time, about three minutes for the about two and a half, actually, for the last movie, so go. Okay, real quickly, Tom, the last movie is a, is a 2011 movie, Moneyball, based on the uh, book of the same name. Moneyball is about uh, a general manager who lost the championship the year before, and he's faced with, uh, he's the, man, the general manager, Billy Bean, is faced with having to take on the New York Yankees. New York Yankees have a payroll that's about five times what he's able to spend. And he has to try to figure out how to put a winning club on the field, Tom, uh, with a whole lot less money. And he's lost a lot of his really good players. And so how do you do that? Well, he turns to a young Harvard type uh, who becomes his assistant general manager, 
uh, Peter Brand. By the way, Billy Bean is played by Brad Pitt. Great role for him. The assistant general manager is played by Jonah Hill. Both of them earned Academy Award nominations. And what they do, Tom, is they resort to uh, sabermetrics, which is uh, looking at statistics, in-game statistics, to determine what the best team ought to be for a given situation or, or a given uh, uh, role of play. And in doing so, Tom, they end up winning an American League record 20 straight games. Uh, they do not win the pennant that year, but what you find out is there's more than one way to skin a cat, Tom. And uh, uh, after the 2011 season, most of Major League Baseball, in one form or another, adopted this uh, this form of, of uh, looking at the team and, and, and assembling a team. And this is a um, very serious look at the inside of baseball, not both on the field, Tom, but also off the field. And uh, I strongly encourage our listeners to see this movie starring Brad Pitt, Jonah Hill, uh, as well as um, Philip Seymour Hoffman before he passed away, where he won an Oscar. Uh, this is a really good movie about, and, and I think real, Tom. About and in, in real life, to the team that uh, he, he represents is, in real life is the Oakland A's, and it's That's not correct. too far off of the real what really happened to the people like the Oakland A's. Stephen, we're out of time. We've got to stop there, but you've done a great job tonight getting these important uh, movies in, and I want to thank you for, for doing that. Uh, we're going to have to go now, but we'll have you back before too long. I hope you'll you'll visit with us again and, and talk more about the, the entertainment industry and things that you enjoy talking about. Stephen Kearney, our baseball expert tonight, with seven baseball movies you might want to watch. I'm Tom Kearney. We'll be back tomorrow night to talk about D-Day 1944.